Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. My regular producer, Gru, produces the show today and always. All right. James Harden says, hey, I, I'd consider being traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. I have four words that describe that suggestion. Not going to happen. Would that be a good move for the Bucks to reach out and get Harden? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, on, on so many different levels. I mean, let's let, let's start with the fact that the, the Bucks are pretty much pushing the NBA salary cap, and Harden makes just a, a ton of money, and, and I don't think they'd be able to afford it. But that's not the point. Trading for James Harden, the Milwaukee Bucks have the distinction of, of – when you look at the worst trades in NBA history over the years, the Bucks, two or three of them belong to the Bucks. Um, one being Ray Allen, who did not want to leave Milwaukee. He was the one superstar who back in the day wanted to play under, you know, for Milwaukee. They trade him, um, to what Seattle for Gary Payton, who didn't want to be here at all. And Payton played a lackluster half a year and then ended up leaving. That's one of the worst trades in NBA history. But, but, James Harden, whoever they'd have to trade for him, would be one of those deals. First of all, Harden and Giannis don't get along. That, that's number one. Number two, um, James Harden is an incredible scorer. But one of the reasons he's an incredible scorer is he is an incredible shot hog. I mean, he is a shameless chucker. He's the guy that just, you get it, and he's going to throw up the ball. Now, I understand he's going to score 30, 35 points a night, but it's because He's shooting and shooting and shooting, and uh, I just don't think I don't think that James Harden would work and play well on a team that is clearly Giannis's team, and that they've built other people or that they built a team around Giannis's talents. And if you pretty much want to guarantee that Giannis decides not to sign that that multi-year extension, the supermax, go for James Harden. I, I and again, there, there's no serious talk that the Bucks are interested in this. It's just Harden demanding a trade from Houston and saying these are one of the teams I'd go to. Not going to happen. All right, I am intrigued by this first story for a couple of different reasons. Now, yesterday on the program, I, I, I started out my day, yesterday was kind of one of these long days, and I started out early because I went to the dentist, just regular teeth cleaning and stuff like that. But, you know, my, my dentist's office has been open since they were allowed to reopen. And they, they take all sorts of precautions. You know, when you pull into the parking lot, somebody comes out and they check to make sure that you have an appointment. And then they say, okay, well, just they, they give you a little uh, sheet to fill out that essentially says you're not sick. And then, you know, you wait. They say, okay, well, as soon as we're ready for you, we'll come get you. So you sit in your car and then five or 10 minutes later, they come out and they say, okay, well, we're, we're ready for you. And then before you can go in, you know, everybody's wearing masks. You're wearing a mask and they take your pulse ox and they take your temperature and all that type of stuff and they take you back to the room and 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 then the hygienist comes in and my hygienist Dolores did a great job yesterday and you know they, they they clean your teeth okay so so that's it um all sorts of things are open you want to buy a new car you, you can go look at cars i mean just uh, last weekend my wife and i were looking at cars and went to a couple dealerships we sort of walked in everybody's wearing masks but you know that the car dealerships are open people are doing business you can go to a grocery store 
There are some limits, of course. Everybody's supposed to wear masks. You can go to a big box retailer. If you want to go to Costco, you want to go to Walmart, you want to go to Target, you want to go to Menards, you can do that. Now, there's some there's some capacity limitations, and people are supposed to wear masks. But in general, it's business as usual as we move our way through the, the pandemic because... Well, in the real world, the, the private sector, we recognize that these businesses have to try to figure out a way to stay open and that people, individuals, have to be able to, you know, they, they still want to buy cars or they still want to go to the dentist or they, you know, they, they still, you know, need to go to, you know, the stores to be able to shop. And we've been able to figure out a way to do it. And then, then there is government. Now, if you do not already have if you, if you are a property owner and you have not received your property tax bill yet, chances are you will in the very near future. In, in most communities, the property tax bills go out eh, around the first week in December. So my guess is if you don't have it yet, you'll, you'll have it in the next couple of days. Now, there's all sorts of different ways and times that you can pay your property taxes. But for a lot of people, what they want to do is they pay their property taxes before the end of the year so they can get the deduction. Now, it's tougher to itemize nowadays because of the changes in the tax laws. But lots of people pay their property tax bill by December 31st, which brings me to the city of Milwaukee. Despite the fact that dentist's offices are open, car dealer shops are open, grocery stores are open, restaurants are open, hardware stores, Costco, Target, all these other places, body shops, car dealerships, like I say, um, hair salons. Despite the fact that all these places are open, you know a place that's not open? The city of Milwaukee treasurer. They have apparently been closed since March, and they have just come out and announced that they are going to continue to stay closed. No in-person property tax payments will be accepted at the office of the city treasurer. I'm looking at their website right now. Please plan accordingly to assure you make your 2020 property tax bill payment in a timely manner. So we're not open, but but so you better start paying attention as to how you can make your property tax payment. Okay, so here's the deal. No cash payments at all. So if you're one of, now look, for, for me, I, I write a check. It's not a big deal. But if you're somebody who doesn't write a check for whatever reason and pays your property tax bill in cash, you are out of luck. No cash payments at all. You can pay by check and you can use the U.S. mail or they have a handful of drop boxes that are around um, inside City Hall, inside the municipal building, at a various police stations. So you can, you can, if you pay by check, you can either use the mail or you can go to the drop boxes. You can also pay by credit card or debit card if you want, but they're going to charge you 2.75%. So you can call up on the phone, you can use your debit card, but they're going to charge you an extra 2.75% to do it. And you're not going to be able to do it in person. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now think back to previous years. You will remember, there, there's always, this is one of the big things, people 
pay their property taxes in person. They like to get the receipt in person. They go down there. Some people pay the property taxes, you know, again with with cash. That's not me, but some people end up doing it. Um, I used to, when I lived in Whitefish Bay, I lived very close to City Hall. That was exactly what i do. I would go over, take my property tax bill. I'd walk up to the clerk's office. You know, you'd give them the property tax bill. You'd give them the check. They'd mark it paid, and you walked away with the receipt. In the city of Milwaukee, that is not being done because, unlike all these other places that have figured out ways to be open, the city of Milwaukee treasurer says, sorry, we're not going to be open. You can send us a check or you can put it on your debit card for which we're going to charge you an extra 2.75%. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand we are in the middle of a pandemic. I, I get it. But if you are going to expect people to pay their property taxes, shouldn't there be an option for people to be able to do that in person? I mean, is it really too much to expect the treasurer's office to open up with? You can, you can just like they've got rules with the DMV and things like that and other buildings and other places throughout the, the county and throughout the surrounding counties. You, you can, you can say you gotta wear a mask. You can do the, the social distancing. We're only gonna let so many people come in and do this. But isn't there a way that you could figure out to allow people to pay property taxes in person? I mean, if you can, Again, if you can go get your teeth cleaned, it's something a lot more intrusive, or you can go to a big box retailer, or you can go to the grocery store, shouldn't you be able to pay your property taxes in person if you choose to do that? Now, again, I understand there's options. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and by the way, don't, don't be late paying your property tax, because even though the treasurer's office isn't open, that doesn't that doesn't take your responsibility to figure out a way to pay it. Um, uh, it's still going to be your responsibility. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WGMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jeff, some mortgage companies that hold escrow for property owners required paid receipts. Now, you will get a receipt. And what we're talking about is the city of Milwaukee Treasurer's Office has decided that they are not going to be open to allow people to pay their property taxes in person. You can do it via the mail, or you can go and find a drop box. You can't pay for it in cash. So if you're one of those individuals who, and there are a lot of people out there who pay their property taxes in cash for a variety of reasons, you're out of luck. You can charge it to your credit card or your debit card, but they're going to ding you an extra 2.75%. But just on most places are open and doing business. The city treasurer's office will not be open to receive property taxes. Now, they, they will. My understanding is if you put it in the Dropbox or you send it in, you will get a receipt that then you can then show to the uh, mortgage company. 855-616-1620. Uh, Jeff, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. The Treasury Department should be open, as should banks. It's so frustrating, especially when other businesses have figured out how to safely be open. Well, that's, that's it. See, that's my point. You've got businesses that are open in the private sector, in the real world. You have people who have figured out how to do this. Now, again, it might be that you limit the number of people who can be in the building at any given time. Obviously, you're going to require people to wear masks and things like that. You're going to require social distancing. But, I mean, 
I was in a grocery store the other day. They've got the things on the floor. If, if you can go in and buy groceries, shouldn't you be able to go in and pay your property taxes? Why is government so special? Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, I used to pay my taxes in person down at City Hall and get my receipt stamped paid. Although it was a painful amount of money to pay, but I got that uh, feeling of uh, I got it in my hand. Right. So it's kind of nice. And now I'm just kind of mailing in checks lately. But uh, you're right that I think they could cut some staff if they can be closed for since March. Well, I get, yeah. I mean, thanks. Look, I mean, you know? yeah, no, I do. I mean, I mean, look, here's the deal. I understand. I understand. My guess is a lot of people do, in fact, pay by mail. Although, if you think back, um, pretty much one of the, you know, on, on TV, there's a couple sort of like cliche stories. Every time you're getting ready for the first big snowfall around here, all the TV stations run down and they, um, they, they focus on unloading the salt trucks. So you've got that going on. One of the other big cliches is on the 31st, um, what you have is they go down to the various municipalities, including City Hall, and they see all the people that are lined up to go to, to pay their, their property taxes that are, are there. And, you know, we're, we're able to figure out a way to do it. And yeah, I understand you can do it by the mail. You, I understand you can put it in a drop box. I, I get all that. We're actually going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I, I don't know for people who want to vote in person, should we take their ability to vote in person away? We were able to conduct an election and there's no evidence at all that that led into a some sort of surge that the election, the people that showed up to vote in person, that that led to an increase in COVID cases, at least not the November election. At least I haven't seen anything like that. But, you know, so the city treasurer can't figure out how to do something that the 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 people, the elections board was able to figure out how to do. Jeff, when it comes to paying taxes, which are a big bill, I want the receipt in hand and I want it with for without paying extra for this. Jeff, is it legal for the city treasurer not to be open to accept tax payments? Is it legal for the city treasurer to not accept cash? Is there an obscure state law that they might be violating? Well, I, I don't know about that. And again, I look, I, I understand for most people, you're, you're not going to pay cash. I, I get it. For most people, you are not going to pay cash. You are going to be, you're, you're going to write that check and the check is going to be the receipt. There are people, for whatever reasons, who, who don't use checking accounts. And I, I mean, I don't know how many people there are, but remember, you know, we, you know, we, we have this huge battle that's going on. There are businesses that decide they want to be credit card only. They, they don't want to accept cash. And I, I'm, there's all this litigation and the big argument is that's that is unfair to uh, people in the, the lower income groups because they might not have easy access to checking accounts and things like that. So what does that mean? That they have to pay extra to go to the bank and to get the money orders or whatever they're going to have to do. I mean, I, th- this idea that we can't be open to accept cash. It's not going to be a big deal, I acknowledge, for a lot of people. But for the people who don't have checking accounts or whatever and don't want to pay that extra 2.75%, it is going to um, be a big deal. Somebody says, couldn't they just get a money order? Yeah, you could get a money order. Now you're going to be paying extra for that money order to do that. I guess my big point is if we can keep everything else open, why why can't we figure out a way to open the treasurer's office for the, the limited purpose of, of collecting property tax payments? And, you know, you, you look... 
The banks can figure out a way to be open. The DMV has even figured out a way to be open. Now, the DMV isn't open for everything. You know, they've got certain limits and things like that. But the idea that you can't come in and you can't do this stuff in person, but you better do it in a timely fashion. At some point in time, I mean, I am wondering where, again, some of the advocates for the people that might not have easy access to checking accounts, where are they in this And again, the overriding question is, if all these other places have figured out ways to be open to conduct important business, why is it that the city of Milwaukee in general, but in particular, the city treasurer's office, can't figure that out? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) Real interesting text here. Jeff, I have always paid taxes in person. Because timing is a big thing with taxes. I want the receipt marked paid with the correct date, and I don't trust the post office. Too many problems in the past with our post office and its delivery, etc., etc. Yeah, that's why, I mean, see, by, by not allowing you to go in and pay in person, despite the fact that all these other offices and businesses are open, I mean, here, here's the, the two things. First of all, again, if you're somebody that doesn't have access to a checking account, um, or for for what, whatever reason, you know, you're used to paying in cash, and I understand that's a that, that that's a subset of people. I don't know how many, but you are now out of luck unless you want to put it on your credit card and pay two point seven five percent. You know, a, 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 what they call a convenience fee. Now I don't know who it's convenient for. It's more convenient for the city that's apparently decided to keep the uh, treasurer's office closed. But to the point of the texture, right? Timing does in fact matter. And again, fewer people get to itemize now because of the tax changes. But yeah, if you want to write off your taxes, you have to prove that they have been paid. And that's one of the reasons why, like I say, I used to I used to always, you know, walk over to the clerk's office and you know, I I if there was a long line, I would, but there was never a long line. You know, you'd go in there and you'd write out the check and you'd get that thing and it would be stamped and you'd have evidence that yeah, on December 23rd or December 30th or whatever, you paid the taxes. So then when you send when you get ready to do your taxes, there's not going to be any question that you paid them in that given year and you can make the deduction. Now you're taking a chance. Now you are taking a chance, um, and again, I, hopefully it's not going to end up being a problem. But the bigger issue is, why can't they figure out a way for the treasurer's office to be open? And, and of course, this is it's the city of Milwaukee. They just decide this is what we're going to do, and if it inconveniences people, too bad, we don't care. Don't you understand there's a pandemic? Well, yeah, I understand there's a pandemic, but I also understand that everybody else has figured out ways to be open. Why is it too much for the city treasurer's office? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, we have two really cool things going on right now on the program. Um, one is completely free. One is five bucks. But let's talk about the one that's completely free first. All this week, we've been doing our Wagner's Holiday Wish List giveaway. It's sponsored by our friends at Cedar Crest Ice Cream. And it, it's sort of like, actually, our marketing people forget sort of like. It's kind of, it's the price is right. So what we've been doing every day is featuring some holiday treat that you would use Cedar Crest ice cream with. The first um, Mondays was Tom and Jerry mix, and then there was an Oreo cookie pie, and then there was like this ice cream cake. Okay, today is is really a good one. Um, it, it's It's a grasshopper. Now, I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the bug. I'm talking about the nice smooth minty grasshopper, the drink. All right. 
Go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Take your guess at the cost to purchase cream de menthe, cream de cocoa, um, vanilla ice cream, and a touch of milk in our Wagner's wish list giveaway. And the person that comes closest comes closest to the actual cost of the ingredients without going over, gets a $60 gift certificate to Cedar Crest Ice Cream, the makers of Mrs. Bowen's Tom and Jerry Mix. And actually, it's been kind of fun over the week as we've rolled this out. More and more people are having fun and playing. Lots of guesses today. You, We, we put something up at 8 o'clock every day on our Facebook page. At 2 o'clock, we, we cut off the entries and we announce the winner. So you have about another hour and a half, a little bit less than that, to participate Figure out how much the ingredients cost for, again, the Cedar Crest ice cream wish list. This with Tom, with um, not Tom and Jerry's today. Today it's the Grasshoppers. Gru, you a grasshopper guy? Uh, once a year, let's once say a year, that. Yeah, well, but you like Tom and Jerry's. You're the Tom and Jerry guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's become a tradition in the past few years. Yeah, I, I like I like cream de mint. I, I do with that. So it's it's I'm, I got to tell you, for a holiday perspective, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the visual that we have on our on the Facebook page. And it's a bright, shiny Christmas tree. And it's got a couple of these grasshoppers. They look pretty darn good. All right. Maybe see what we should do is encourage people to to make those and some that's what the marketing people need to do. Make some of the grasshoppers so we can even talk about how wonderful they are. Anyhow, two o'clock, you have until two o'clock for the price is right. Okay, now here is something else that I have been alluding to, but I haven't really been, I think, explaining in the depth that it deserves. This this year we are unable to do our in person holiday Christmas show. I think we've done this for the last, I think, the last four or five years. First several years, we did it at Turner Hall. Last year, we did it at the Italian Community Center. And we we did um, various productions, kind of radio plays. Or or last year, was kind of like sort of a talent show or something like that, a variety show. And, you know, we've gone out to the community. We've asked you to buy tickets. And a portion of those proceeds were were used to go to the Capco Kid to Kids, Kids to Kids Christmas thing. Unfortunately, this year... We're not able to do the in-person show. Now, there is going to be a holiday Christmas play that's going to air it a couple times. We've all, I think, recorded our lines for that. But it's not going to be an in-person thing. But we wanted to try to come up with something a little bit different and still allow us to interact, us being those of us who work at the radio station here, give us a chance to interact with, with you. And so that's why we have our WTMJ Virtual Holiday Trivia Night, which benefits Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland. It's a chance to Zoom with WTMJ hosts. I'll be doing it as well, um, as well as I know Gene Miller is going to do it and John McCure, and I'm sure Scafidi is going to be doing it as well, plus a lot of other people. It's going to be Wednesday night, a week from yesterday, December 16th. Tickets are on sale now at our website at WTMJ.com. But here, here's the deal. There, there's only 80, and it's we we have to limit it to 80 because there's that's the limits of, of what Zoom can do. So it's a relatively exclusive thing. Here's the other deal. It's only five bucks. I'm not sure we mentioned that before. It's not like we're looking for 500 bucks or anything like that. It's five bucks. Proceeds. Again, benefit the Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland, and that's sponsored by Professional Construction Inc. But here's the here's the cool thing: if you participate in this this trivia thing that we're going to be doing, there are prizes. For example, first place, first place 
is an autographed Aaron Rodgers mini helmet. Second place is an autographed Craig Council baseball. And third place is a WTMJ prize pack, including gift certificates for the Golden Mast Inn and uh, Granite Peak Ski Area. So, I mean, for five bucks, you not only get a chance to in, to interact with all those of us you listen to on a daily basis, but you also, first place gets an autographed Aaron Rodgers mini helmet, second place, uh, Craig Council baseball autographed, and third has a WTMJ prize pack. How cool is that? It's five bucks. It's limited to 80 people, and it is filling up. The event is next Wednesday night. So if you were going, what is this trivia thing that they're they're doing? And look, and I, I understand it's a little bit different than being able to come down to the holiday radio show and things like that, but uh, I think it's going to be kind of cool. And um, again, it's, it's five bucks to participate. It would be a lot of fun. It goes to a good cause. You got a chance to win some really good prizes. It is limited to 80. So if it's something that you would be interested in, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, I I, I don't think it's going to last more than an hour or 90 minutes. I, I don't exactly know how long, but it, you're not making a commitment of an entire evening. But uh, it should be kind of fun. And so I'd encourage you to participate. Uh, go to WTMJ.com and register. It's five bucks for your chance to win an autographed Aaron Rodgers mini helmet or an autographed Craig Council baseball or all the other cool stuff that's there. Okay, back to substance. The... The reality is that the courts are not going to intervene and prevent Joe Biden from becoming the 46th president of the United States. And I understand that's not the message some of you want to hear, but it, this is this is the real world that, that's out there. The Some people I know think this election was stolen, all those type of things. I don't want to argue about that particular thing right now because the reality is, Joe Biden is going to be chosen by the electors at the Electoral College. He will be sworn in 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 January as the 46th president. But now I think the discussion turns to moving forward. What 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 happens? What what do we do with regard to elections? And are there common sense things that we can do, changes that we can make to the election system um, or or? Do those things that some people are talking about, do they really make no sense? Now, let me be specific here. The The biggest dispute, I, I think if you lump all the stuff in, uh, comes down to early voting and absentee ballots. There are some of you who do not believe that people should be allowed to vote early at all. Now, that's a pretty radical step because I, I've, I've said this before. The first time I voted for president, which was a long time ago, I was away at college and, and I voted absentee. I signed the certificate saying I wasn't going to be able to vote. I lived in Wisconsin, wasn't going to be able to vote in person. They sent me a ballot. I filled it out. I sent it back. So, I mean, the, that I voted absentee because I couldn't be there. Now, in Wisconsin a number of years ago, they, they changed the rules. It used to be that in order to get an absentee ballot, you had to certify that you were unable to vote on the day of the election. And there's a list of reasons. In my case, I was away at college. Um, now, all you have to certify is that you are either unable or unwilling. In other words, you don't want to. So that opens up the universe to anybody who wants to vote early can, in fact, vote early. Then 
there's there's ways that you get your ballot. You know, we've talked about this before. Uh, you request the the ballot from you sign this application. You request the ballot. Your clerk's office sends you the ballot. You fill it out. You then can mail it back. You can walk it back to the clerk's office. You can put it in drop boxes that they have around the the area, at least in some communities. You can put it in drop boxes. So there's ways that you can return it. In Wisconsin, you had that thing in the park, the democracy in the park thing, where you could bring your ballots and you could give them to, you know, people who work for the clerk's office and they would collect them. If you don't want to vote absentee in that fashion, you can also show up for a two-week period before the election and vote in person, what they call absentee. That's how I've been doing it for the last several years. I walk into the clerk's office, I show them my photo ID, I tell them where I live, they give me the ballot, I fill out the ballot, I put it in the envelope, and I give it to the clerk's office. At the end of the day, when we look at what some of these objections are, what it really comes down to is there are Some people, primarily Republicans, who are essentially arguing that we should not allow early voting. And I'm looking at a story in the New York Times. There's there's some there's some push in Georgia to outlaw some of the things that we do routinely here. The argument is you shouldn't allow people to send ballots back through the mail. You shouldn't allow people to put ballots in drop boxes because the argument is they, they could put a ballot in a drop box at 8 o'clock at night, and so instead of when the clerk's office is open. Um, you, you, you get this idea that you shouldn't, that we make it too easy for people to say that they're indefinitely confined. All these different things. But it all comes down to the idea of making it more difficult to vote absentee. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You might disagree with me on this, but I think anything we do to encourage voting is good. I think early voting, absentee voting is here to stay. I think that there are things that can be done to tweak the rules. And I I say the word tweak, which is, okay, maybe this year did people try to get around the photo ID requirement by claiming they were indefinitely confined? And and was there an abuse of that? Okay, I, I I get it. I think maybe you can look at tweaking that. I think you can look at, gee, if a clerk's office, the instructions for years have been, if there is a a, a technical mistake on the outside of a ballot that's returned, something that the, under the law you call ministerial, the clerk's, hey, the zip code's missing here, or the, the, the full address is missing. The clerk's office has been allowed to fill it in and, and put that on there in order to make the vote count. Maybe you can look at, at things like that and say, do we need to tweak it? I'm not even sure that it goes that far. But some people just think we shouldn't allow people to vote early and people to vote absentee. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree, but I think that ship has sailed. I, I, I really do. If you want to talk to me about ways you can maybe tweak the process to make sure that it's a more secure process, I, I'm willing to have that discussion. But the truth of the matter is, Hundreds of thousands of people in Wisconsin choose to vote in this fashion. And the idea to say, okay, we're, we're now going to make it more difficult for you to do that, I just don't see it happening. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Nor, by the way, do I think it should happen. 
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Look, at the end of the day, what we're really seeing is a war on early voting slash absentee voting. I'm open to talking about can you tweak the process to make it more secure, although I'm honestly not convinced that there's huge fraud problems that they're out there. But there, there might be better practices. But this idea of we, we've got to... We've got to limit the ability of people to vote early. I'm sorry. I just think that ship has sailed. And by the way, I think it's bad public policy. And rather than arguing about the process, I think the political parties, Republican, Democrat, need to be arguing about, okay, what can we do to make sure that we turn out understanding what the rules of the game are going to be? What can we do to turn out more of our voters? Ryan in Oconomowoc. Ryan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I have voted by absentee uh, several times. My parents have. You have. Our president has. Um, There has not been discussion on a mass level about this corruption and absentee balloting until our president began talking about it at the beginning of this year to to sow doubt into the process. Now there's sour grapes because he lost. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. That's yeah. all it is. I agree with you that we could tweak the system a little sure. bit. There's no question of that. If, if you find a pen, and every year after every election, they go through and they find the problems. People are convicted of fraud. Yeah. A couple hundred every once in a while. And that's, you know, these anecdotal cases that they're bringing yeah. up, that's what they are. Right, I agree. Cases of individual weird things. Right, I think, and again, I, I see, I agree with you. If if you've got an example of, and I've used this before, some operative that goes into a nursing home and, and ends up voting, you know, casting a dozen votes for occupants that are there that have dementia, okay, that that's a that's a crime. And and if that happened, it needs to be referred to authorities and it needs to be prosecuted. But I, I don't, I'm not seeing these examples of the widespread fraud. And and when I see the lawyers making the argument. About okay, people like me and my wife who, who go in and we early voted because we didn't fill out a, a separate actual request saying give me the absentee ballot, um, and instead just kind of sign the thing saying this is our absentee ballot. When they're arguing that hundreds of thousands of those votes should be tossed out, I just I, I roll my eyes. I say really, Lucy on the west side. Lucy, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. This Hi. makes me so mad I could spit. You may, ha- you may have to cut me off because I say a bad word. Um, this is not about security. It really is about voter suppression. To get rid of early voting and absentee voting and go back to the old system that we had when I was a baby and started voting when I was 18 um, means that the only people who will vote will be people who have the ability to get off and show up at the certain hours that the polls are open. That would be mass disenfranchisement. This Again, this is not about security. I've worked my little fingers off in, since nine, 2018 on elections, getting people to vote, and I think I've gotten a fair number of, of Republicans to vote. The process is secure. The early voting is so beneficial for sure. people that can't get out. And the absentee voting is so important to people in nursing homes. I worked getting my friend an absentee ballot at East Castle in the nursing home part, and it was not easy or unsecure, I'm here to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Um, so this this is just so terrible, and it's just a rank example of sour grapes on the part of a person that 
lost the election. And it's well, it's right. really, really terrible, and I hope it goes down to defeat. Thank well, th- you. No, thanks, Nicole. Well, I, I think, it I, again, it will. I mean, I, my point is that I just, I firmly believe that absentee voting is here to stay, and there's no reason it shouldn't be. There, there really isn't. Now, again, if you want to talk to me about let, let's let's tweak the rules or let's um, have determinations to figure out are our clerks, for example, are they violating the law when in a ministerial function that they get a, a witness thing where it's a husband that's witnessed his wife's vote and, and he hasn't put the, the city that he lives in, but they know who that is. Okay, are the clerks, what should they do with that? Now, I would argue it's pretty harsh to just reject what is otherwise clearly a valid ballot based on a technicality. But okay, but let's the, the legislature can decide that. And again, we can tweak it and we can get interpretations and I, I'm not going to be somebody that defends the state elections board, which is in my opinion is a semi-rogue agency. But the, on the basic concept of, you know, should people be able to vote early? Yes. Should we make it easy? Is there any practical reason if I walk into that clerk's office a a week and a half before the election and I show on my photo ID and they check that I'm who I am and they check that I live where I'm supposed to live? I'm in the right place. Is there any practical reason why, gee, Jeff, we need you to fill out this separate form? actually requesting the ballot as opposed to just signing the back of the ballot. Okay, all right, we can have that argument as to whether or not that's just this unnecessary sort of step, but it doesn't change the basic fact that it's a lot easier to get people to vote, and at the end of the day, don't we want people to do that? And for my Republican colleagues, this is not a winning issue. What Republicans need to do is they need to figure out ways to, all right, let's understand that this system is here and let's figure out ways to get people who are sympathetic with our message. Let's figure out a way to get them to turn out. That's what you need to be doing moving forward as we look at the next statewide elections in 2022, as opposed to simply saying, okay, let's try to find ways to make it more difficult for people who are otherwise legitimately entitled to vote to vote. And if there is examples of rampant fraud, that's great. Let's find it. Let's send it to the DA's offices. Let's demand that it be prosecuted. And let's act as a deterrent to people who want to screw around with the elections in that fashion. Period. All right. Now I'm off my soapbox. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Before we move on from the election fraud thing, there's one or two things I, I do want to discuss, because whenever I talk about this and I give my opinion that while you can have a discussion about better practices and are the things that we can do to make elections more efficient and all. I, I, I inevitably get a handful of uh, of texts saying, are you, you are just, you must be a liberal. You, you, are, you are a major league liberal, to which I just sent a response to somebody saying, I think most liberals would probably disagree that, <laughs> with that. I, I don't get invited to those meetings. But, but it, it's amazing to me how many of these sort of disproved things that were, were said, they take on this life on the internet, and then everybody believes them as gospel. Now, let me give you two examples of this. There, there's a thing floating around, some statistician claiming that it is impossible that all these these various states 
where you know you had X amount of votes that were counted um, at by by a midnight, and then all these other votes came in, and by five in the morning it had gone from like in Wisconsin, it had gone from Trump leading to Joe Biden being ahead. And, and there's there's some statistician that's out there saying this is just impossible. It's a one in a quadrillion chance. All right, that's BS, and, and it's because it makes an incorrect assumption. That argument that there, there couldn't be that much of a switch assumes that all the ballots in the state came from it's just an, on came from an average type of area. Uh, what I mean by that is we know in Wisconsin, for example, that because state law doesn't allow votes to be begin to be counted before election day. There are what we would call ballot dumps. And, and this is not, this happened in 2018. It, it happened in 2020. In other words, you have a couple areas that because they have all these absentee ballots and they don't start counting until election day, they, they don't report the results until two or three in the morning. And we also know where those areas are. For example, in Milwaukee, Milwaukee tends to forget tens. Milwaukee is overwhelmingly Democrat. You know that the vast majority of the votes, 70, 80 percent, are going to be Democrat. You, you know that. And so when you have this huge number of absentee ballots that doesn't get counted until the end of the night, you know that about 80 percent of them are going to be a vote for Biden as opposed to Trump. And maybe it's 75 percent, maybe it's 82 percent. doesn't matter. That's the idea. You know that there's going to be this ballot, this huge number of votes that are going to be for Joe Biden. So it's not a one in a quadrillion chance. Um, it's because it's not like you're taking ballots randomly from all over the state. You know what ballots at the end of the night haven't been counted. They're from Milwaukee, for example. And you know that they're going to break overwhelmingly for the Democrat candidate. But, but I understand people are saying, well, statistically, there's no way this could happen. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very easy. It's not like you're looking at a sample of all the ballots in the state. You're looking at the ballots in Milwaukee, a heavily Democrat area. Just like, if you were, let's say the situation were reversed and you weren't getting reports from the WOW counties like Washington and Ozaki and, and Waukesha County, just like if those ballots weren't being reported until two o'clock in the morning, well, then you would expect that a large number of the votes would go for the Republican. OK, that's one. The other one, and somebody just sent me a text saying, oh, you, I cannot believe that you are tolerating this fraud. One of the things, one of the arguments being touted by Rudy Giuliani is that Georgia election workers threw out observers and illegally counted suitcases full of ballots. Jeff, why aren't you talking about this? It's overt fraud. And the reason I'm not talking about it is because it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I understand that there's this 90-second grainy video that's been floating around the Internet and that people have bought into. But, But here's... I mean, here's what what happened. And this is, again, it's been thoroughly investigated. First of all, these these ballots were not in suitcases pulled out from under tables. They were 
they were in the normal counting bins that they had had used. They were in standard ballot containers, and the ballots had been removed from their envelopes. They'd been processed while news media personnel observers were still in the room. Nobody was ever told to leave. Now, some observers exited after the election workers who had opened the envelopes and verified the ballots had started taking off for the night, but nobody was forced out. Observers were allowed to report at any, uh, to show up and come back at any time. So, again, I understand this this stuff takes a life of its own. And I understand that for people who don't want to accept the election results and believe the election was stolen, you you want to grab at these different straws. But you can't have your own facts. Can we do things to improve election integrity? You bet. And I'm willing to have that discussion, and I'm sure we will have that discussion in a positive way a lot over the course of the next couple years. But but a lot of this stuff that's out there on the Internet, I, I'm sorry, it just it's not true. And and just because you read it on the Internet doesn't make it true, period. All right. When we come back, what could they have done to avoid what happened? I'll explain and we'll discuss. You guys that love talking football. How good could this offense be? They can run the ball. We have Aaron Rodgers and some receivers who seem to have gotten a little more comfortable. This could be a really good top five offense in the NFL. Steve Scafidi and Brian D. go all things Packers. MBS has it in the end zone for the touchdown. It's the Monday morning quarterback. Every morning at 835 after each Packers game. Sleeping grab Devontae. Touchdown. We're the home of the Green Bay Packers since 1929. WTMG. Let's talk for a minute about pajama gram. Now, some people text and they don't like the way I say pajama. It's that, so it's pajama. Is that what you're supposed Well, that, okay, you're not. My producer's like, I say pajama, you say pajama. Doesn't matter. These are great. It's a great holiday gift. This year, this year's made everybody want to stay in bed. So why not dream a little dream with the one you love? Kickstart some romance this Christmas with the new Midnight Fantasy Pajamas or Pajamas from our friends at Pajamagram.com. They are America's PGA experts for nearly 20 years. Seductive with a hint of lace. Actually, these are really, these are good looking things. Check them out on the, uh, on their website. Silky and smooth to the touch. Midnight Fantasy Pajamas are a dream come true for her and for you. She'll love the way they feel you'll both love the way they look warm her up and treat her to the ultimate fantasy with midnight fantasy pajamas check them out at pajamagram.com and right now when you order today you'll get a great deal free gift packaging that means you don't have to wrap a thing she's missed out on a lot this year so give her the romance she deserves get her midnight fantasy pajamas and get your free gift packaging today free gift packaging before the deal disappears go to pajamagram.com it's fast it's easy and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. Pajamagram.com and tell them Jeff Wagner sent you. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, so my producer grew breaking bad on me as well in a nice fashion. Okay, now the reason I do, okay, so every year, Pajamagram.com is one of our sponsors. And I, I pronounce them, I call them pajamas. All right, and inevitably, there are about a half dozen people out there who decide that they need to correct me on the text line. Now, again, I, th- that raises all sorts of issues. That the, 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 the guy on the radio says pajama and that you're, you're going to take that time out of your life and you're going to write the text telling him that he's an idiot because he doesn't know how to pronounce that particular word. But, okay, so I, I, I call him pajamas. Now, if you want to say pajamas, that's okay. So during the break... 
My let's let's go through that. My producer, who says I think this is kind of a funny conversation, you ask me what question, Gru? What is the capital's? Uh, what is, Montgomery is the capital city of which state? And I say Alabama. And you don't say Alabama. I don't. Okay, so your your point is that if it's if it's Alabama if it's Alabama, it should be pajama. If it ends with AMA, you're saying AMA or AMA. All right. Well, okay, this is one of these things. And, and you may very well be right. You know, if we went to the, the pronouncer, you may very well be right. But it's one of these that I lump in the category of, first of all, life's too short. Secondly, <laughs> you're with me on that one? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, life, life is too short. Secondly, I lump it in the category of, the, as an old dog, there are some new tricks that I can be taught. But it, it's for me, it's been pajama my entire life. And I'm... And I'm sorry, it's just, it's not going to change. It's it's like broadcasters saying details instead of details. If you tell them to switch, they, they never will. It's not in their nature. Right. Um, okay. Um, my, my friend and former colleague here, he used to, he used to provoke people on a number of different things. Charlie used to do it. But, but the, the word uh, um, divisive, okay, divisive. Charlie would always used to say divisive. Now, I, I don't, I don't even know. What I don't know what the proper pronunciation of that is. I, I say divisive, and I'm not going to change. But apparently, the pronunciation of divisive, divisive is 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 a contrast and a conflict in and of itself. Yeah, I guess I could understand that because it creates division, uh, but it also divides us. You know what oh. I'm saying? So I, I I think it's the tomato tomato. That I, I oh, can okay. see that. All right, now we have a texter. While while you're here, we have a texter that wants to call you out. Okay, so you said you you're right. I, I it's the state is Alabama. It's not Alabama. All right, when you have let's let's think of let's think of your your parents. You have you have Dada, and you have M A M A. How do you pronounce that? Boy, I, I you know, you I don't say mama. I don't yeah, say mama. You don't, you don't say mama. You say mama. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we've got one of our texters that's, that's standing up for um, me. Um, okay. Well, there, there, there you go. Um, uh, Jeff, ask your producer how he says the former president's name, Barack <laughs> Obama. <laughs> sure. All right. Obama. All right. I just I <laughs> All right, this now you see, you understand. You know, I, I I prepare for hours to do a radio show and and I I do this research and I try to be, you know, smart and I try to be provocative and I try to be thoughtful and I try to give you all sorts of things to discuss. You know what we have just done tonight at the dinner table. I know that you're going to people are going to sit down and you say, "Hey, did you hear the Wagner show this afternoon? They were talking about whether they're pajamas or pajamas." That's 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 going to be the it. That's going to be it. Okay, when we come back, we'll tighten it up a little bit. I promise. <laughs> back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, I'm not changing. I, I'm I'm sticking with pajama. We're literally dozens of of texts coming in. Here's one of the examples people are giving. How do you pronounce the, the animal? L-L-A-M-A? It's not a llama. It's a llama. So you've got mama. You've got Obama. You've got, you know, you've got pajama. And actually, going to the source, Michelle in Appleton, she sends me a pronouncer from American Pronunciation. And she says they're pronounced puh, P-U-H, ja, J-A-A, muz, pajama. So, all right. I, and I admit, I freely admit I, I could be incorrect in this, I, I get it, uh, but you know what? 
I'm going to stick with it. And then, of course, one, one of my favorite texts of the day, Jeff, just say pajamas any way you want to. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's your show. That's exactly right. At the end of the day, it's my show. And then somebody, again, a couple of people are siding with you. Uh, it's not Alabama. It's Alabama. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You say pajama. I say, I say pajama. You say pajama. All right. Let's just, let's just agree to disagree. All right. There is a surprise here. Here is the story. Milwaukee police are investigating a double shooting that occurred uh, yesterday, Wednesday, December 9th, near 35th and Villard. It happened around 7 o'clock. Police say the victims, 29-year-old Wauwatosa man and a 27-year-old Milwaukee man, sustained non-life-threatening injuries. They were transported to a local hospital for treatment. Um, And then, of course, what isn't a surprise the, the standard statement now, the shooting circumstances are still unknown. Milwaukee police continue to seek an unknown suspect. All right. Well, here, here's the thing that is the surprise about that. No, it is certainly not a surprise on the mean streets of Milwaukee that you have two more people who are shot. What is a surprise is that this shooting that happened at 7 o'clock yesterday It didn't happen on Capitol Drive. It happened on 35th and Villard. I swear, it seems to me that, and of course, I work on Capitol Drive here. I'm on Capitol and Humboldt. It it seems to me that pretty much any time you have one of these shooting stories, it, it, it almost always involves something that has happened on Capitol Drive, which is becoming the new, I don't know, pick the most dangerous Pick the most dangerous community and area you want in the world and then compare it to Capitol Drive and you see how Capitol Drive stacks up. So it's not a surprise that you have a shot here. The surprise is that I guess it's on 35th and Villard. All right. Let me go through the facts and we're going to open up the phone lines and then we're going to discuss this right after the news. Yesterday afternoon in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin State Patrol troopers shot and killed a person. Now, this is unusual because you you don't think of the state patrol as getting in gun battles. I mean, the the state patrol, you know, out there helping stranded motorists and, you know, uh, giving speeding tickets and things like that. Here's what happened. State troopers tried to pull over a car about 12.30 p.m. on State Highway 26 between Watertown and Johnson Creek, if you can if you can picture that area. The driver stops briefly. So the, the state patrol, the bubble lights come on, the car pulls over. The state troopers, the car pulls over. A passenger gets out of the car and runs. The driver then hits it in gear and takes off. So you've now got this chase situation. You've got state patrol or police are now chasing the passenger, and there is now a high-speed chase involving the driver. State troopers began to chase the car. During the pursuit, the driver fired shots at the troopers. So you're trying to flee at high rates of speed, and this guy is shooting out of the windows at the troopers. The driver eventually hits a spike strip, you know, those things that they put down that deflate tires, on Highway 26, takes an off-ramp at Highway 12 in Fort Atkinson, coming to a stop on the median. The driver gets out of the car with a handgun and tries to carjack a civilian. This is escape from New York. I mean, so here you have the guy, high-speed chase, firing at the state troopers. Eventually, the car gets disabled. He gets out of the car, tries to hijack somebody at gunpoint. That doesn't work. State troopers then fire at the suspect, three of them, 
suspect was hit and died at the scene. No information about his identity was immediately available. No one else was injured. The state troopers were placed on administrative leave. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Whenever we have one of these conversations, look, and it's, I'm going to just tell you, I have a lot of friends in law enforcement, and I understand that some people who are anti-police think that all these police officers that go out there, they just like, they, they go into work every day hoping they're going to get into some, you know, confrontation. That, that's not the reality. And I will tell you that the last thing anybody in law enforcement wants to do is find themselves in a situation where you've got some Yahoo who is shooting at you and you're in a position where you have to pull your gun and, and shoot back. That, that's, that is not a situation that anybody wants because you don't want to take somebody else's life and you sure as heck don't want to get hit yourself. So these are the facts of this. There were, I guess, opportunities where this could have been avoided. The state troopers could have allowed the guy to drive off um, when he first took off, so no high-speed pursuit. When he started firing at them, they could have backed off again, recognizing that this posed the danger. Um, They continued the pursuit. At one point in time, when the car was disabled, the guy gets out of the car and he tries to carjack somebody else at gunpoint, putting that person's life in danger. So there were various opportunities where the, again, state troopers could have allowed this to go, could have allowed the guy to go off. And I don't know if it was a stolen car or whatever, but there were all sorts of chances where law enforcement could have said, we're going to pick this up later. We'll come back and we'll pick up the pieces. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no problem with anything the State Patrol did in this situation. It is an unfortunate circumstance, but the only reason the driver of this vehicle, and I know nothing about, I think it's a him, I know nothing about his background, but the only reason he is dead today is because of all the different criminal activities dangerous activities, life-threatening activities that he engaged in. And unfortunately, this is a situation of, hey, you do these kind of things, you, you got to understand there's going to be consequences. And in this case, he paid the ultimate price. I don't have any issue at all with what the state troopers did. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Uh, before we, we go to the phones on the state trooper involved shooting you got about 20 more minutes if you want to participate in our daily cedar crest ice cream wagner's holiday wish list uh, price is right contest and you want to guess the price of today's um uh today's item which are grasshoppers um check it out you go to our facebook page it's facebook.com slash 620 wtmj uh another 20 minutes and then whoever comes closest to guessing the price without going over gets a uh, gift certificate kind of fun all right tragedy happens yesterday you you have out-of-control driver and a passenger run from the state patrol. The guy is driving down the highway at a high rate of speed, firing shots at the state patrol. Ultimately, the the car is disabled. He gets out of the car, tries to carjack somebody. That's unsuccessful. And then he's killed in a gun battle. All right. Well, there were. if you want to look at it on one perspective, the state patrol had lots of different options to kind of break off the chase, let the guy get away, try to catch him later on. They, they didn't. I have no problem at all with what they did. And the bottom line of this is, look, if you're going to engage in antisocial behavior and you're going to fire shots at law enforcement officers, I'm sorry, all bets, all bets are off. 
Let's start with Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you today? Real well, thank you. What do you think about this? Good. Well, I have to tell you there are a number of variables that hopefully law enforcement would weigh foot traffic, the amount of traffic volume. Sure. Uh, and I would think at 1130 at night, there probably wasn't a lot of that. Also, you prefaced this entire conversation. No, this was, this was 1230 p.m. This was the afternoon. Oh, okay. For, if, well, if that changes the dialogue. That. But, yeah, but it, it was 1230. It was, it was right after noon. <laughs> okay, perhaps, perhaps. But but perhaps the trooper did weigh uh, those sure. variables. But I, you, you prefaced the conversation by saying, and, and I understand what you're saying, and I understand where you're coming from, that you wouldn't expect state troopers whose primary role and responsibility is a crash investigation, traffic enforcement. Uh, but, but I have to remind you and your listeners that one of the most dangerous uh, aspects of law enforcement is, is a traffic stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, this all played out. Uh, and no, I don't, I, 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 I suspect, I trust that they weighed those options, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, cert- I'm certainly glad that those troopers uh, survived that ordeal. Oh, absolutely. No, thanks. And, and by the way, you're, you're, you're right about the traffic stops, and I, 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 don't, I hope nobody listened to what I was saying and thought I was downplaying what state patrol troopers do. I, I think it's fair to say when you say state patrol, people don't – if you say, hey, I, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm pounding a beat in the city of Milwaukee, you, you might think you're perhaps more likely to confront this type of situation. When you think about state patrol, you don't – I think you think about accident investigation and speeding enforcement and um, you know, things like, like that. But, yeah, this, this is an aspect of law enforcement as well that you end up getting. And you are exactly right, Bob, about the, 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 the dangerous element of this. I always cringe – I've said this before. I always cringe when I see the, the media account that describes this as what well, was a routine traffic stop because th- there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. That that's just you don't know if if you're the police officer, and that's one of the reasons why I admit I bend over backwards to cut some slack to police officers. All right, you're 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 drive you're at 76th and, and Mequon Road. And it's 11 o'clock at night and you see a car that's got a taillight out or there, there's a car that's driving 50 in a 35 mile an hour zone or whatever. And you pull that car over. All right. Now, you know, odds are it's going to be all right. It's just the person doesn't know their taillights out or the person was speeding or whatever. That, that's good. That's odds are. But you don't know that. You don't know that that person doesn't have a, a body in the trunk or that that person, you know, it, there's all sorts of, or that person doesn't have three kilos of heroin under the front seat of their car and isn't going to go to prison. You know, you don't know any of that when you're the police officer that pulls it over. And that's why if, if you, if you ever get stopped by a cop and you're wondering, oh, this guy seems awfully defensive or, you know, why is he in this particular position and stuff? It's because there really is no such thing as a routine traffic stop. Craig and Beaver Dam. Craig you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I, you know what? Uh, that stretch of uh, Highway 26 is probably one of the best roads in all of Wisconsin that I've driven on. It is absolutely beautiful, four-lane, and very little traffic. Um, but there is a lot of road rage on that because, again, the uh, lack of traffic and uh, mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of friends that are in law enforcement, whether it be local to state, and um, they always tell me their biggest concern is 
getting hit while they're serving yeah. a ticket or something like that. So someone that takes off, you know, is obviously going to be a big concern and obviously threatening other drivers out there. My question to you as a former prosecutor is, is this going to be something that comes up where either the state or local law enforcement is going to be held accountable and, you know, have to pay someone, you know, no. some type of... I mean, I, got, I mean, thanks for, thanks for call, Craig. I mean, I mean, here's the, I mean, inevitably, I, I, my, my former, one of my former professors, the late Jim Giardi, was great. He always used to say, people can sue anybody for anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, theoretically, now, in this case, the perpetrator, the person I'm referring to as the bad guy, was killed. So, you know, could... Could his his family, could his estate bring an action against for wrongful death against the troopers? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible. My guess is it's going to be unlikely. I think the interesting thing is what was going on here, because candidly, th- this look, it is this is one of the things that I, I always said when I was criticizing the Milwaukee Police Department's policy that they had for five years at the with the blessing of Tom, let's turn him loose Barrett and uh, Ed Flynn, the former police chief when when they wouldn't chase. my my point was always there, there's a reason why people are running. you know I mean there there is a reason why you you do what happened here. Now like look at the facts here. You've got this car that's that's speeding, they pull it over. A guy gets out the passenger side and runs, all right? And then the driver takes off. There is some reason why that happened. I don't know what, I don't know if the car was stolen. I don't know if there's contraband in the car. I don't know what these two characters had done before they got pulled over. But that is not normal behavior. Can we, can we at least agree that that is aberrant behavior? Then you take it that next step. So then you're in the car, you're fleeing from the police at a high rate of speed and you're shooting at them. Okay, that there is there is something there is some underlying thing that you have done that you are trying to that you are willing to kill police officers or God knows who else that might be on the roadway by firing at them. There is something that you have done that you are trying to avoid apprehension. And then once your car is finally disabled, your first response is to go try to carjack another car. No, there there's some stories here. And I guess the interesting thing to me is going to be what was it that these criminals did that provoked them to in, engage in, in all this type of behavior. You know, and, and my guess, and this is my guess, but my guess is you're going to find that when you know all the details come out, it wasn't the first time at the rodeo for either the driver or the passenger, and they didn't want to go back to prison or whatever. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this this was just the day that you know a couple people woke up and decided, hey, let's take some guns and let's get into a rolling gun battle with law enforcement officers in Wisconsin. Maybe that was just the day, but I'm willing to bet probably not. And once more details come out, my guess is it, it's – it's not going to make people any more sympathetic to the quote-unquote victim, in this case, who is dead because he decided to engage in all the behavior he did. Just saying. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, we talk a lot about the, the out-of-control crime in the city of Milwaukee, and it is, by the way, completely and totally out of control. And the frustrating thing is, from elected officials, all you get is this hand-wringing and, well, we need to, 
we need to toughen the gun laws. Madison needs to help us out. And again, and it's one situation after another where you say, okay, you know, what new gun law would you like to have that would have stopped this teenage gangbanger who's not allowed to legally own a firearm in the first place, who's not allowed to be in the car that he stole, and who's not allowed to, again, under the law, have fled recklessly at 100 miles an hour. What what new laws would you like to have that would, um, again, change this different thing? And then, of course, you know, everybody just is quiet on that. That That's kind of the ongoing frustration that, that's there that we, oh, we need more laws or we need this. And the, the truth of the matter is we, we need to enforce the laws that we have. And we need to, if there is a criminal element that's out there, I'm sorry, I know some of the people that are woke don't believe this. You know, if there are people out there sticking guns in other people's faces, uh, they, they need to be removed from society for a while, which is interesting. But what's going on in Milwaukee it is not different than what's going on in a lot of other urban areas. Um, Minneapolis, which, of course, was the, the centerpiece in the police shooting of, of George Floyd last May, you know, Minneapolis has had a spike in crime. I don't know if it's quite as extreme as Milwaukee's, but they've had a huge uh, spike in crime. But because Minneapolis is really the the center and the originator where a lot of the the social protests, you know, protests originated from, the, the Minneapolis City Council has been under great pressure to cut the police budget like they did in Milwaukee. I mean, you want to you want to talk about something that is just one of the most irresponsible, and I'm not talking about Tom's trolley folly. I'm talking about something that really has put public safety at, at risk. The idea that they're, you know, that they're they've cut what over a hundred police positions in the city of Milwaukee at a time where you have spiraling violence. Of uh, violence, well, the Mo- Mo- Minneapolis City Council, what they originally wanted to do is uh, starting in 2022, um, year after next, they wanted to reduce the number of officers from 888, 900, down to 750. And, and the mayor, even the mayor stood up and said, we, this, this is nuts, we, we can't do this. So they backed off that. But yesterday, the city council did vote to remove 8 million bucks from the police budget. And they said, okay, we're going to do this without having to cut bodies. We're going to take the money from the the police in other ways. But I do raise this question about why does anybody think this is a good idea? Now, it might be a time, there might come a time when you you get urban crime under control and, and we figure out, ways to address some of the underlying causes and and things like that. And there might be a time where you can legitimately go to a a police district headquarters and you can put up the sign that says, gone fishing, because, okay, there's not a need for as many police officers. But whether it's Baltimore or Chicago or Minneapolis or Kenosha or Milwaukee, here's the truth. We're not at that point now. If anything, we need more police officers, not less, because of all the stuff that's going on. And for all these woke politicians who've decided that we're going to pander to certain elements of our community who want to view the police as an occupying force or view the cops as enemies, you need to recognize that... There, there's a vast majority, and I don't even know that I'd use the phrase silent majority, because I don't think the majority is silent out there, who, who just say, no, you know, we, we, one of the things we pay taxes for is, is we want, we want safety. 
We want the police to show up when there's a shooting on our block. We want somebody to call out when our car has been stolen or our house has been burglarized, etc. And the only way you have that is you have, if you have more cops, not less. Somebody does need to make that point to both the mayor and the Milwaukee Common Council. That's kind of gotten lost in uh, some of the rhetoric over the last year. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner coming up in less than 10 minutes. Hey, hey, I don't want to pay. I will explain. Before that, though, uh, look, I, I, I recognize that Joe Biden is going to be the 46th president of the United States. I have been one of these people who have been kind of actively downplaying, you know, some of the stuff that was coming out before the election about how Joe Biden is this crook and things like that. And I'm I, I still I'm not seeing any evidence of that. But having said all that, um, I will tell you uh, that his son, his 50 year old son, Hunter, is not making life easy for the president elect. Uh, even the New York Times has been focusing on this. Apparently, the the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware is confirming that Hunter Biden, or at least he came, Biden came out and said and acknowledged that he is under investigation for tax related matters. He's saying, "Oh, there, there's nothing to to see here." Well, I don't know about that. And again, I I just. I'm not saying that this is an indicator of, of what this means for Joe Biden, but it does sound like there's some problems. The New York Times has this. In, in 2017, Hunter Biden and his first wife were, were separated. Um, according to her filings in the divorce, this is in 2017, they owe $314,000 in taxes, had maxed out their credit card debt, and had double mortgages on both real properties they own. In other words, early 2017, their you know fin- finances are a mess. The next year, the IRS issued a lien against them, who were then divorced, for 112000 for unpaid taxes in 2015. The taxes appear to have been paid off by March of this year when the lien was released. Separately, city government of Washington, D.C., where Mr. Biden had lived, issued liens against him in July, totaling nearly 454000 bucks from unpaid taxes in 2017 and 2018. Those liens were released less than one week later, according to tax records, which means he came up with a bunch of money, and, and that's... See, that's, I think, what, what they're looking at. You have a guy who, in 2017, his financial life is a complete and total mess. And then, all of a sudden, you get this huge influx of, of money, which allows you to pay off liens, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I don't know. That That's certainly smoke. Whether is is there fire where the smoke is, I, I don't know. And, and the interesting thing moving forward is going to be, all right, once you want to talk about a mess for Joe Biden, right, if the U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, which is part of the Department of Justice, you know, if, if they work for the Biden Department of Justice. What does Joe Biden do? Does Joe Biden come in and, and try to direct his attorney general to, all right, t- tell him to, to cancel this investigation? Well, you can't do that. That's Then, you know, you're, you're talking about impeachable sort of offenses. You know, what does the new U.S. attorney do if there is an active and ongoing investigation? And the U.S. attorneys are political appointments. So Joe Biden will appoint the U.S. attorney for Delaware. How do you need to bring in a special prosecutor? How do you do all this stuff? Um, it, it's going to be a mess. And I'm not saying it's going to reflect on Joe Biden, but it is going to be a mess if the kid 
doesn't kid, he's 50 years old, doesn't have real good explanations for where hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay tax liens came in the last year or two. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so this is kind of fun. Every day this week um, on our Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash 620WTMJ, part of our, our Wagner Holiday Wish List, sponsored by Cedar Crest Ice Cream. We've been featuring like like some great holiday dessert or drink or, or whatever, and it's a contest we've had, kind of like the Price is Right. You can go there, and you can try to guess how much the ingredients would cost, and whoever comes closest without going over gets a 60 buck gift certificate to Cedar Crest Ice Cream. We we post the thing at 8 in the morning, and then we close it at 2. Let me see. The note here, congratulations to Jill Ree, who was $0.07 cents under the exact price. She came within $0.07 cents of nailing uh, the, the grasshoppers, how much that would cost. So uh, one more day for this, and it's tomorrow. So a lot of, as people have been, it's been catching on as, as the week has gone on, and people have got it. So congratulations to Jill this today, and you'll have one more chance to win. It's free. It's fun. It's just something that we are doing. All right, if, if, if you just if, if you want to wonder what my life is like. Okay, so right before the break, I was talking a little bit about Hunter Biden. And um, Hunter Biden, it, it's going to be a problem for his dad. There's no question about it because he confirmed yesterday that he's been under investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware for the last couple of years for, for tax-related things. And the, the circumstances is he's, he's been a financial train wreck, 2015. 2016, 2017, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, tax liens, and then later on, all of a sudden, they, they suddenly get paid. And, and my point was that th- this is going to be a problem. It's a problem for Joe Biden because, you know, what, what do you do? You can't very well tell the U.S. attorney in Delaware if there's an active investigation that, you know, when the new U.S. attorney comes in, you hey, it's, it's my kid, I want you to get rid of it. That's the type of thing that gets you impeached. It, it's going to be a very, very difficult situation moving forward. So I was making that comment, and I about a dozen texts, and they're, they're split evenly, half being, oh, now you talk about Hunter Biden. Why didn't you talk about him beforehand? And the other half being... Oh, it's nothing. Trump's a crook. How dare you mention Hunter Biden? They need to be treated the, the same. Okay, here, let, let me just go back a step. For the last year or so, I, I have been making the point that, that Hunter Biden is a liability and a complete loose cannon and a, a train wreck. There's no question in my mind that Joe Biden's kid who was a financial disaster, was engaged in what I would call influence peddling. He was using his famous name and his perceived connections to his famous politically well-connected father to try to get gigs that he would otherwise not be entitled to. And he did. He did. Now, whether that's criminal or not, I I don't know. There's really no compelling evidence linking anything that Hunter did to Joe Biden. And I understand there's some people, oh, don't you understand he was meeting with the Chinese, etc. Well, the, uh, people will obviously pursue that. But I'm saying at this point in time, I, I don't I think this is mostly the sins of the son that, that aren't going to come back on the father. But but it's it's a mess. And, and yeah, if he's cheated on his taxes or he's laundered money or things like that, he deserves and should be prosecuted. Similarly, if it turns out that there's active investigations of Donald Trump's kids or whatever, and it determines that they were laundering money or cheating on their taxes or stuff, well, of course, they deserve to be prosecuted as well. So, 
But this idea that, well, you know, look at Trump, you know, you can't go after Hunter Biden. That's silly. And the idea that, well, if Hunter Biden turns out to be a tax cheat or whatever, that means that automatically that, that his dad is a, is a crook as well. He can't make that step. And I understand that we have a very divided country now and nobody, it's either, you know, well, go after Trump, 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 Trump. And it's going to be that way for four years or see, you know, people were making these allegations against Trump, but now it's got to be Biden, Biden, Biden. Bottom line is just follow the investigations wherever they go. Okay. speaking of Joe Biden, one of the centerpieces of his campaign was he wants to write, allow people to write off ten thousand dollars in student loan student loans reduce you know your if if you owe if you owe eighty thousand dollars he wants to allow you to write off ten if you owe ten thousand dollars he wants to allow you to write off the entire thing he is under pressure from the left the the bernie sanders and the chuck schumers and the elizabeth warrens of the world who want to allow people to write off a lot more than that. Uh, Warren, for example, says we should be writing off $50,000 in in debt. And the argument is, well, for all these people who borrowed all this money to go to college, and, and now they're, they're stuck with having to pay this back, um, it, it's a drain. It, it's limiting their ability to buy houses. It's limiting their ability to do other things. And some people, you know, and got these college degrees, and now they, they can't find work in their chosen field, so they're really behind the eight ball. Well, what's happened is, since the pandemic in March, they put a moratorium on, on having to pay your student loans and so and having to pay student loan interest that runs through the end of the year and most people think that's going to be extended for the foreseeable future. So right now, payments on student loans are are pretty much on hold on the federal student loans. On top of that, um, the, right now, these loans, it's kind of like an interest-free thing. It's kind of like you see the car dealer saying, we're going to give you 0% financing for 60 months. Well, right now, the, the interest is not running on the student loans. Joe Biden wants to give people relief, wants to let you write off at least $10,000 in your student loans. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, keep in mind, and this is something interesting for the liberals who are are pushing this. Keep in mind that the vast majority of people who have student loan debt are people who are in higher income groups. Now, I understand that's not everybody, but you know none of this relief would go to somebody with a high school degree. This would go to, I don't know, people who went to medical school. This would go to people who have their MBAs and are working for accounting firms. This would go to people who have their JDs and are, you know, working at law firms. This would be a big, sloppy, wet kiss to, I, I think, those to the affluent. Um, there's just no question uh, about it, as opposed to, I don't know, some of the lower income individuals. Moreover, I look at this and I say, I mean, what what part of I agreed to take out this loan? I, I, I made a commitment. I got the money. I spent the money. What part of this don't people understand? I mean, where do we draw the line? Why, if we're going to give people a break on student loans, why would we stop there? What about car loans? 
What what about mortgages? You know, gee, I I, I bought this house for the house was three hundred thousand dollars, and I I put you know twenty percent down, and I financed the balance of that, and and now the value of the house has gone down or whatever. Here, why should I have to pay back the two hundred forty thousand that I owe on the loan? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this is an example of hey hey hey, I don't want to pay. You you took out the student loan. You made the commitment. You got the money. Yeah, I, I think you should have to repay it, and I think you should have to repay it in its entirety. Now, if you want to, like, talk about stuff on the edges, you know, maybe we should allow people to refinance at lower interest rates that are, you know, more representative of what the cost of money is now. I'm willing to have that discussion. But here's my question. Should we forgive, or should we allow people to just write off Somewhere between ten and fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And what about all of you who took out student loans to go to school, or took out student loans on behalf of your kids to go to school, who've paid them all back? I mean, how how do you feel about boy? Does that make you a chump because you paid your loan? And now, you know, somebody's going to come along and forgive everybody else's loans. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I refinanced my mortgage to pay for my two daughters' tuition so they could be debt-free. Will they reimburse me, too? No, I think you're probably going to be out of um, luck. Uh, Jeff, my loans were somewhat manageable. However, I ended up defaulting back in 2017 due to being unemployed and uh, no forbearance. How about going after the collection agencies charging a 15% interest rates on your federally backed loans? Now, see, I again, I think if if you want to help people out, my response would be, okay, let's look at some of the interest rates on some of these loans, and should we provide a way for these loans to be renegotiated to make the interest payments, again, more in line with where interest payments are now? I'm open to something like that if you want to provide relief. But saying to people, here, we're just going to forgive somewhere between ten and twenty-five or $50,000. Hey, Mr. Lawyer, you're, you're out of school for a couple of years, and you're starting your legal career, and if things go great, you're going to be making half a million dollars dollars five ten years from now here we're, we're going to forgive 50 grand of your loan that's what uh, warren wants to do or ten thousand dollars of your loan um sorry i just don't think so um let's see eight five five six one six one six twenty um let's see uh da, da, da. um we refinanced our home and added seventy five thousand to our debt um paid and 10 more years of payments to help our daughter and son with college. Can we get that forgiven too? Both our son and daughter are paying off their loans, no new cars or vacation trips until the loans are paid off. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, John in Franklin. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, John. Um, I just wanted to do... uh kind of chime in a little bit and, and maybe sway your opinion. Um, I wanted to give you a little background. I'm in my 40s. I've been paying student loans off for 12 years now. Um, I make about $55,000 a year. Um, I've paid $300 a month for 12 years. So if you do the math, that's in the 40000 about 40000 range. I still have $30,000 in debt 
even though my initial loan amount after I graduated was $30,000. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm What's your you interest know, making rate? my payments. What's your interest rate? You know? uh, my interest rate was 4.52. Okay. Um, 4.52 and 6. I, I don't understand how, you know, you get double interest. I, yeah. I, I don't get the math on that. So, um, anyway, my goal was to buy a house. Um, I, I never could really afford to buy a house. I just wasn't building wealth, even though I was saving, saving, saving. Um, and I know $300 a month is, you know, is not a lot, but when the, uh, student loan interest, uh, deferment started with the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was actually able to build up a whole bunch of wealth and I just bought a house two weeks ago. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because of the relief from the deferment, um, I was actually able to build up some wealth. Um, now, am I saying that across the board, everybody should should get relief? I don't agree with that. I, I, I see your point where you're the wealthy lawyer. You're going to be making a ton of money once you start working. But not everybody is going to be able to earn that kind of money. And um, John, when, like you, said, when you took out the loan, I assume you knew that you were going to you're going to have to pay it back. Okay. So, I mean, I guess how, how is that different than the people who take out loans for mortgages for the houses or, or cars or, or who have credit card bills that they're paying interest on? I mean, what's, what, what's, if we're going to forgive, if, if, if we're going to, if we're going to forgive a student loan in the amount of 10 or $50,000, what, why shouldn't we forgive all these other things as well? Well, when I was 18 years old and I graduated from high school and I started college, I, I didn't exactly uh, know what I was getting into. I mean, there were no classes offered on, hey, this is debt. This is what happens with debt. I mean, yep. this was like the late 90s back then. I'm not sure if they're giving kids those classes now mm-hmm. or even that sort of uh, instruction. Um, and I'm And I'm not... I'm, I'm trying not to feign ignorance on this thing. I, no, I'm a big proponent of paying off your debts. And like I said, I've paid over $40,000 back of my initial $30,000 loan. So I've already paid my loan back plus interest. And you haven't reduced the I principal? Have, I, I guess I'm, I'm I mean, I, again, I'm, I don't have my calculator in front of me and stuff. But so you, you've paid forty grand and haven't reduced the principal by a dollar? That just doesn't sound right to me. But I, I, I mean, I take your word for it, but it doesn't right. sound right to me. Well, I mean, you know, it was $30,000 in loans. There was a, um, a consolidation early on in the repayment process. Okay. Um, so I don't know if that added Got it. more to it. Got it. Okay. Um, well, John, I, I, look, I, I get your point. I mean, I, I, first of all, if I were you, I'd, again, I, I don't have the math in front of me. It, it seems almost, again, impossible for me to believe that you're making your monthly payments for 20 years and your principal hasn't gone down by a dollar. But but I, I don't know how the loan is stressed, especially at an interest rate of, that's why I was asking the interest rate, um, you know, four or five or six percent. But I, I, again, I don't, I, I don't claim to be an expert in that. I mean, I, I went through school without student loans. My late wife, you know, we, we had student loans and, you know, and she, she racked them up to go to, to go undergraduate and law school. And, you know, we paid them off. It, it took a while to pay them off, but we, but we, they went down all the time. I mean, it wasn't like that they were going up. But again, I, 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 I understand that there's a situation. And by the way, I understand that the part of the reason why 
Some people are in the problems they're in. It has to do with with the schools. And this has been this fundamental problem that's been out there where you have schools that continue to raise their tuition more and more and more because they knew that the the students, the kids, they they, they could they didn't care. I mean, they, they just take out the big loan and then they have to worry about it later on. And I, I, this has been my beef, if you're a regular listener, about law schools. All right, the the market for lawyers is different now than when it was when I went to law school when I graduated from law school in 1982. It's different. That's just the reality about it. And you know, the law schools over the years though have continued to pump out. You know, kid after kid, student after student after student, and raise their fees. And you have a lot of kids that are coming out of law school. Forget the undergraduate debt; they're coming out of law school with eighty or a hundred thousand dollars in law school debt into a, a job market, which is just brutal. Just for for a lot of the graduates, it's just brutal. But the law schools haven't cared. Sorry, but they haven't. You know, they want to get the kids in, and they keep ratcheting this up. I mean, I for one, I for. I'm a big believer in the fact that law schools, in addition to all their admission stuff, and I would apply this to colleges as well, should be providing people to the point that John was making with uh, with a, a realistic estimate of what the workplace is going to look like. You know, this is realistically, the, okay, we had 125 kids, students that graduated like last year. This is how many have jobs six months later. This is how many have jobs that are in the legal field as opposed to doing something else. And this is what the average salary is. So at least people might have that information out there that suggests maybe, I don't know, taking out $100,000 in loans isn't the best idea. So there's a lot of blame to go around. And that's one of the reasons why, I, I guess, I, again, I'm open to a, a refinancing thing with to reduce the interest payments, although I don't know that you're going to get a much lower than 4%. But for people who have 10 and 12% interest payments, maybe you can do something like that. But I just don't see this. And the truth of the matter is, this would be an incredible giveaway to the wealthier. If you've got a high school degree, you're, you're out of luck. And if you've paid off your loan already, you're a chump. All right, when we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.